Alright everyone, hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Passing Dimes. Passing Dimes. My name's Josh Nickel, joining me today is... Dallas Keith. Good, you? You, hey? How are you doing? Good, who gave these two goons a podcast? You people asked for it. It started with an interview we did in Australia, and then it went to the best ever podcast, and... And now we got that big contract to go out on our own, so we'll see what happens here. Getting that sweet, sweet internet money. Shh, you already know, YouTube! <laughs> so, I'm sure the audience can guess by the name, and you know, you and I involved with something. We're going to talk about a lot of volleyball. Yeah, it's going to be mostly volleyball, and then a whole lot of other volleyball-related topics, such as beach volleyball, and sitting volleyball, and indoor volleyball. I'll even talk about Nine Man because I think Nine Man is a great variation of volleyball too. So uh, volleyball, we're gonna cover some volleyball, uh, and I, as I'm sure you can guess, we don't take anything too seriously. So there's gonna be a lot of yucking it up on the old podcast. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun, and uh, I think it's gonna be a good time. So we look forward to uh, yucking up with you guys, and you know, sharing some stories from on the road. So let's let's cover the big thing here, where you're. You're the first official guest of the show, Passing Dimes, but you're quickly going to segue into, like, the co-creator. So, well, what's slash, up? Ho- slash host. I wear a lot of different hats here at the Passing Dimes headquarters. So, let, let's talk about the, the hat dance. What happened? Uh, you're, you're, you're no longer playing, so let's break the news. We're breaking our first story here on first, Passing Dimes. It's a big story. So, you know what? This is a good time because, as many people know, Dwayne Wade retiring. Uh, Rob Gronkowski retiring. Conor McGregor, retiring, and another big name in that mix of pools, Dallas Keith, now retiring. Wow, what, what company those other guys are in now that you've joined? It's an elite class <laughs> of elite individuals and stellar athletes. That is a good list. Dirk Nowitzki, did you say Dirk? I don't know. No, Dwayne Wade, Gronkowski, McGregor. Dallas Keith. And Keith. Ooh. Yeah, so, uh, so... So how'd we get there? Fill us in, Dallas. Yeah, You're so after a making long... Making moves. I'm making moves. Closing chapters, opening books, opening podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so unfortunately, after, uh, after a lot of thought and a lot of deliberation, I decided to, to stop uh, playing internationally. And, um, you know, I've decided to, to pursue other passions and go into different projects. And... Um, it's bittersweet. I mean, I would have loved to, to continue playing, but certain things were coming down the pipeline and, and you know, that, not that the hand was forced, but it, uh, you know, it couldn't have been a better time for opportunities to come up. And, and you know, one thing that I do want to, to tell people, and especially the younger athletes coming up, is you can have all the opportunities in the world, but it doesn't mean that you can give yourself to all these opportunities. You can only give yourself to to one thing, and you, you need to be able to really put yourself 100% into what you're doing. So I've decided to step away from beach volleyball, and uh, but I'm still in the athlete world, which I'm pretty proud of and pretty excited about. So so we'll get into that, but when you when you told me about your retirement, there, there was a quote I had heard from our... Uh, Friend of the show, Teddy Roosevelt. Friend of the show. So there, there's a good one. I think this really will sum up uh, when athletes move on from their career. So it's, um, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or when the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. So the reason I thought of that is because 
you know what? You, you took your shot. You represented Canada. You went to Youth Worlds. You were at FISU. You were on the world tour. Like, yeah. we might not have an Olympic medal to talk about or, or some stories like that. But at the end of the day, as Reed Pretty says, you don't get to carry on your medals and get stuff for it. You get... You get the value out of sport with you know being a good guy and applying those soft skills that sport all gives you. So yeah, I you're, was... you're a guy who took a shot and and glad you could be on the show. Proud of you, kid. But life goes on. Sometimes. Life goes on. It's been a, it's been eight years, eight years. So 2012 to 2019, being on tour on the FIVB and a couple shoulder surgeries, a couple big blocks, couple big digs, and you know. The rest is on a wall. <laughs> so let's let's fast track this for the fans. So I first met you in your 16 year of club volleyball. I actually didn't start playing club volleyball until 17 years. So 17 you at inter club. So I at inter club, but I played beach. So I played ah, hockey. Yes, I was a hockey player yes. in the in the winter, and I just liked volleyball. So I used to come to the beach in the summer because I lived in Ashbridge's Bay, and that's where we met. Yes. Coaching camps, right? Yes. And then, then it went on from and, there. Then you then played for Interclub, and then... Aurora Storm. Then you went to the States and for a year? And then I went to the States for a year. Shout out to Warner University. All right. Nobody really knows where that is, or what it is, really. Uh, and then we had uh, our paths crossed at York, and that was pretty cool. And when, then, uh, uh, yeah, you went to York, and then you finished up with your Masters at Guelph. Yeah. So I played four years at York, uh, and one year at Guelph when I was doing the Masters there. So that was pretty fun. I felt like a beach player on the indoor court, though, because I played every position but setter. So I came in as a middle at York, and then I got transitioned to the right side. Then I got transitioned to the left side. Then I blew up my shoulder and was the backup libero to Gran O'Gorman. Shout out Gran O'Gorman. And then I went to Guelph, and I played libero there. Now we get to the good part, the beach stuff. So as I kind of led to with my quote earlier, you're a guy who definitely took a shot, so... Eight years of, of grinding it out. I think it, it's nice to see like when athletes reach a certain peak and you go, oh look at look at all the cool stuff that like Heather Bansley's doing now. But they don't realize that like she also started plugging away in university and like beaches. It's a slow grind. I don't know how to describe it. I wouldn't say is it late developing or a slow grind or like you don't get the results early. That's for sure. Well, you know what it is is I don't think you get the glory early. Right. I think I think results can come quickly. But I think sustainability, especially in the beach world, is really hard to, to have. You can have an amazing tournament, an amazing year, an amazing couple years, and then it can just all fall apart. So I think I had pretty fast success with Junior Worlds, a top 10 finish there, national championship, provincial championship, and then it just sort of stopped. I had two shoulder surgeries right away. And then I had to start again from square one after my rehab and come back from that. And coming out of qualifiers, um, both domestically and internationally, and, and being able to come back into main draws on, on the world tour was, was awesome. And then, you know, finishing on a high. Like, I got a top ten finish on the world tour, and, and that's pretty awesome. And, but it's, it's a slow grind. And you know what? Commending all those people out there that are doing it because... You only get one shot at it, and you're going to look back on it and say, you know, I either had it all, like I either gave everything I had or I didn't, and you better say you gave it all because you're only going to have one opportunity to do it, so you better do it. Sweet. So let's 
Let's get into some details. So your first international competition was with friend of the show, Garrett May. Yeah. That was a unique one where it was your first, but I think Garrett had been to, that was his third or fourth youth. No, it might have even been his fifth. He had already won Worlds. He won a World Championship with Sam Schachter, friend of the show, but he also went with Will Sidgwick. He went with Nick Del Bianco. Did he play in a qualifier with Dan Deering at a youth world? So, yes. So I'm going to I'm gonna backtrack. His first one was with Sidgwick. They came ninth. Then I think he went with Deering. Didn't get out of the qualifier there. Then he went with... I think it was the Shakti year. No, he went with Del Bianco. They came fourth. Yes, okay. Then he went with Shakter. They won. Then he went with Danny. They came fourth again. And then he went with me. So his sixth was my first. Wow. So you're, you're in good company. Obviously, people who know and are familiar with Garrett May, I think... Probably the best player in his age group in the country. Like, whatever, what year was he born in? Same as me, 92. So I think in 92s, like, Garrett growing up was was the guy. I think indoor and beach, he was... He was the man. He was the man. Um, so what was that experience like, obviously, playing with a guy who had been on that stage before, and it's your first opportunity. The tournament's in Canada, so there's a ton of buzz around it. In Halifax, center court every match, because we're the host country. Crowd? Big, packed. Yes. 3,000, 4,000 people. We had a full house every single time. It was awesome. So do you remember kind of, you're coming off the OVA circuit, which at that time is very competitive, but do you remember like the first wow moment that now I'm playing international volleyball? Like what kickstarted it for you that you're like, we're, we're playing for keeps now. This is a little bit bigger stage. It was, it was very strange because when I look back at it now, we had a ton of success going into it. Garrett and I had won a, uh, a provincial championship together, a youth provincial championship, then fly out to Vancouver won a national championship, flew out to Halifax from there, and I had no idea anybody's name. I had no idea the credentials of anybody. So ignorance is bliss. Like you go in there and you come off of a provincial championship, a national championship. It's like, I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to win worlds. And then you look back at it now and you're like, holy crap. Like to win a world championship in extremely extremely thing to, hard thing to do let alone be in the main draw let alone get a top five finish letting them getting a, a top 10 finish um i had no idea what to expect i remember doing i remember playing guto and his brother marcus in a practice match and the the old wow moment is we beat them in a practice match we beat them in one set we put them in one set beat them 21 10 and i go like this is it. I'm gonna I'm gonna crush these people. Everyone we're gonna crush. And then they, and then we played another set and they beat us 21-10. So I, I sort of hit the hit the roadblock <laughs> there and I was like, oh, maybe this isn't gonna go as exactly as I planned. But um, it was wild. We um, I like I I because it was such a new experience and such an awesome time. I remember it exactly what we would do. And and for those of you that don't know, Garrett is such a regimented guy. If he likes a restaurant, he'll go to that restaurant and he'll only get the one thing that he has. So we went to Boston Pizza at the same time, same meal, same thing, every single day, same breakfast, same time. And, and he really led the way because it was his sixth and it was my first. So what, what do I, like, how am I going to say anything to him? Be like, oh, I don't think we should do that. It's like, okay, like, this is what you do, right? Like, mm-hmm. you go play Pepper in the Park in the morning. Like, I don't know if that's a morning activation, if that's what you do or if that's just what he does, right? Like... 
So he, you know, I, I give a ton of respect to Garrett, and I love playing with him because Garrett uh, has a really good quality and that he really tries to get the most out of anybody that he plays with. Whoever it is, whether it's uh, at an international tournament, whether it's at a practice, whether he's just joshing around, pun intended, uh, he really gets the best out of people. So it's awesome in that. But uh, we won our pool and we played the Americans, who I'm still good buddies with both of them, Kyle Stevenson and Alex Jones. Um, and we were playing them, I guess it would be in the second round because we got a buy. The way the FIVB used to work is you get a buy. Out of if you won the pool, you get a buy from the first round of playoffs, and they beat us in a tight set, first set. We smashed them in the second, and then it was close in the third. And I remember Garrett getting two aces or maybe an ace, and I was like, "Okay, we won. Like it's over." And it was a battle, 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 and uh, very weird ending. We took a red card off of a hands call to lose the match. And I remember being so disappointed with a ninth place at Worlds in my first try that I like, I couldn't even believe that we came ninth. I was almost embarrassed that we came ninth because I was so fixated on winning and getting a medal and thinking that it was medal or bust. And I had that mentality that I didn't know anybody. I didn't care. I thought I was the man. I was going to come in there and crush every ball because that was my game. I would hit hard and and that was it. And uh, you really, you really become humble because you realize it's a complete game, right? There's no, uh, there's no secret to success. You have to have all the tools in the arsenal. But I remember being like absolutely shattered that we got a ninth, and it's it's nothing to sneeze at ninth place at a world championship. Absolutely, especially when you say guys like Gudo, who you can easily go on YouTube and be like, man, this guy can play. Like, yeah. do you remember any other names that were FIVB Rookie of the Year. That guy, that guy's good. Do you remember any other teams that were there? Or Cantor Loziak, um, Gabriel Kisling, Mirko Gerson. Um, who else was there? I think you just covered, like, Cantor Loziak went from, like, being the hotshot young guys who were, like, in Grand Slam main draws and they'd go back to the youth tournaments and they'd thump everybody. And the question was, oh, can they make a transfer? Can they make a transfer? And, like, better believe they top five ranked team in the world, they're making a transfer and they're playing a unique style yeah. where, yeah, to, to be in that class right off the bat is, is obviously a great step. So, obviously, you got hooked. I, mean, I got hooked. Actually, big shout-out to Andreas Takvam, too. He was a monster from Norway. He's actually... He played a few beach events last year for the first time in a while, but he's apparently, from what I was hearing on tour from the Norway guys, he actually has a pretty successful indoor career. So nice. we'll have to check that out. But uh, funny story about him is I remember they had like netting on the practice courts, and we had a practice match against them uh, maybe a day or two before the tournament. And I always prided myself on being like a hard hitter and, and being able to really juice balls, especially before my shoulder surgeries. And uh, I remember the net probably was 25, 30 feet high separating courts. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 And uh, it wasn't even a tight set. Just like in tempo, shoot to the pin. He hit the first ball, boom, straight over that net. And I'm thinking, holy crap. I go, he just hit the piss out of this ball and didn't even look phased by it. Like no Sally. No, no like Sally. Just like casually walking around i was like to this day i think that's one of the biggest bounces i've ever seen like off the plane bang like it's crazy must have hit a divot no yeah. no he's like no. <laughs> <laughs> big divot guy <laughs> so nice so let's let's keep it moving here so you, you mentioned last year getting in the main draw 
I think he played Brazil in Brazil to get out of pool. No, we played Colombia to get out of pool. Okay. Yeah, we played Brazil in Brazil in the pre-quarters, and we lost to them 15, 13, 16, 14, something like that. Tight match. We uh, we had match point and couldn't put it away. But again, another tough atmosphere. Like for those of you that know me, you know I like to joke around and I get pretty heated when I play. So I have no uh, I have no problem being the villain, and I was definitely the villain in Brazil. They, uh, if you can look at some, we can pull up some of the tapes, but they were, they were booing me pretty good. Not that I like to, to be the heel, if, if anybody gets the wrestling reference there, but I definitely played it up a little bit. But, you know, what happens on the court, I like to say stays on the court. I come from that hockey mentality, but cool experience, too. Uh, rural Brazil, still packed house. Like, that was awesome, too. I think, yeah, that's, that's the opportunity you get, right, where maybe... In beach volleyball, we don't always make the like the, the level of income compared to other professional athletes, but you got to travel the world. Yeah. You got to play in some sweet environments. You got to play in front of Canada and Halifax with a ton of fans. You've, been, you've played a Brazil team in Brazil, which is a great environment. Australia in Australia. Nice. Yeah. Commonwealth Games champs, uh, Chris McHugh and Damien Schumann. We took the three, Jake McNeil and I, when we played them in a domestic event that we had to come through the qualifier to play, which was another... We were put through the ringer there with, uh, I think they had eight international teams in a qualifier that only four qualified for. So that was another. So let's let's stay in Australia and we can get a little bit less on the journalism side and a little bit more into the uh, funny side. Let's uh, let's give some shout outs for how inclusive and how like nice the Australians were when you guys got there and all of a sudden you got a place to stay. Uh, was it Mario Kart was the great uh, oh, yeah. global bonding tool? Oh, but, yeah, uh, that, uh, that connected continents. So big shout out to, to Max Gurr, Marcus Ferguson, Paul Burnett, um, Cole Durant, Zach Schubert, and uh, he actually recently retired as well. Uh, Josh Court, he, uh, he got married and he decided to, to, to retire from the FIVB. But, uh, oh, I couldn't imagine a, a better group of guys. They, uh, they had me in stitches. We were down there for, what, a month? I, uh, I have so many stories with those guys. I'd love to have them on the show when we can and when we can coordinate it. But So how, do, how does this happen? How does a Canadian team show up in an Australian tournament and all of a sudden you've you got a place to stay, people are showing you around, they're being really super nice. Like How does, how does that introduction get made? So I had met Max and Zach in Estonia when we played the FISU games together, uh, the World University Games. So I had known them just from interacting with them at the tournament and having a breakfast with them or having a lunch, whatever meal. Um, so he reached out to me on Instagram and just shot me a message and said, we're, we're around here. And, and, and for those of you that know Manly, Manly's a pretty tight... Uh, tight quarters with the beach and with the hotels and all that stuff. So the Australian national team actually trains out of Adelaide, and but the tournament's in Sydney and, and, and in Manly. So all the Australian guys actually have to fly to Adelaide, or to Sydney, sorry, to, to play in this event. So they're up in hotel rooms from their federation, and uh, we were in an Airbnb, and Jake had uh, known Zach from a world's event, I think, in Switzerland, in Lucerne. So basically, if you're if you're a good dude and you speak English, those countries yeah. make friends pretty quickly. You know what? Not even not even if you speak English, because uh, Rudel from Poland, 
he, uh, him and I bonded pretty well in Fisu too, so he's a sweet dude, and uh, I really wish him a lot of success as well. So basically, if you're playing beach volleyball, if you're a good person, you can make friends on the shuttle, you see people at breakfast. When you're on the court, I mean, everybody's, it's... It's, a fight. it's business, You're right? It's business it. on the court, and uh, it should always be that way. I don't think you should be chumming around on the court. I think for all the resources that people put up, especially in North America, having to go to Europe or um, or the Middle East or, or, or Asia or Australia... No, you're on the court. You're there to kill, and you're there to uh, you're there you're there to take home some money, take home some medals. But oh, off the court, love those guys. So yeah, I'm just trying to paint the picture for you know the fan listening at home right, right. now. Um, that you're you're not a tourist. Like Hi, you said, mom. We're, you're you're a professional athlete, and you're going to go for it. But in the downtime, it, it's a pretty unique environment on tour where it becomes like a family environment. It is, right? and it's and it's awesome for that because. Um, there's so many things that happen when you meet people and you're all in the same um, pool of income for the most part and uh, you can call in favors when you need them. I know I've got a ton of stories of people reaching out to me and and that goes for them too. Anytime someone is in Toronto or in Canada, like I'd always I'd always reach out to them and, and do what I can if they needed a place to stay, if they needed a pickup, if they needed a drive somewhere, if, if anything, right? Like it's it's... It's good that that players on the FIVB, for the most part, are are in good spirits with one another, and uh, you know, another route to help each other. So let's get into it. Who's the best Mario Kart player? Or did you dominate? I did not dominate. Oh, okay. And uh, for the Aussie guys that are listening, I, they'll tell you that I didn't dominate either. But uh, Max, Max, because it was his Nintendo Switch that he brought on tour, he he was the best. But. Uh, Oh, some great stories. We'd play there for, for hours. It would be like this regiment where we'd go for breakfast and, uh, you know, have a train and, and go back to the Airbnb shower and literally go to the hotel, play Mario Kart until dinner, eat dinner, play another round of Mario Kart and go to bed. So, you know, when I'd Skype my girlfriend, she'd be like, what did you do today? I'd be like, I played Mario Kart for four hours at the hotel room with eight guys. It was the best. And, <laughs> and it uh, got intense. And oh, it got, it got super intense. And, uh... <laughs> Marcus Ferguson, I love the guy, but uh, within like five minutes of meeting him, so we, you know, because the two of them, Max and Marcus, played uh, a few events together, played the Sydney event that I was at. So we get in there and, and uh, we're playing Mario Kart on, on Nintendo Switch, and my Aussie accent's probably going to offend them, but uh, who cares? <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'm a dead last, probably for the good 80% of the races we had, so uh, I always had the good, uh, the good whatever the blocks like yeah. the good shells and uh i hit i oh it was, i remember this exactly marcus screaming oh who hit me with the red shell surely it was you down he goes you're a shit guy he goes you've been a shit guy since i've met you he goes you've always been the shittest guy <laughs> and this was like two minutes into meeting like you know shaking his hand and be like hey i'm dallas hi marcus and like Oh my God! Just his reaction, being like, "Oh, ever since I've known you, he got he got shiploke Dal." He go, and he must have called me shiploke Dal. He got everybody else to call me shiploke Dal. He goes, "Oh, Dal, you're the shittest bloke I've ever met." And it was like, "Oh my God!" That guy had me in stitches. I have videos on my phone of him like screaming and yelling because I'd hit him with a red shell or a spike shell, and I still I'm still better than him. I mean, he played with Pink Gold Peach, and who plays with Pink Gold Peach? <laughs> Well, you, you made quite the impression because when friend of the show, Gabe Berlacu, went to Australia, they kind of guilted him. You want to touch on that story? where? Uh... Yeah, so they were actually they were in Thailand in oh, okay. Satoon at the One Star there last year. And 
Oh, I just, I love those guys so much. I guess when Jake came back, because Jake's all good buddies with them too, uh, I wasn't playing in that event. I either was getting ready for Brazil or had already been in Brazil or in Brazil, whatever. Uh, Jake would come back into the locker room we are getting ready for practice and he'd just tell me these stories about like, they'd ask Gabe to go like get them some food or get them a beer or whatever and then they'd all pipe in and be like, oh Gabe, like, you know, you want to get me a water bottle? And he'd be like, no, get it yourself. And they'd be like, oh, Dad would have done it. And someone would pipe in across the room and be like, oh, surely Dad would have done it. And then someone else from the other side would be like, of course one of Dad would have done it. Because he's a good bloke, Gabe. You're a shit bloke. <laughs> for sure we're going to take heat for this because, one, your, your Australian accent is, like, subpar. Garbage. And your impression of Gabe Berlacher right there was terrible. So right away, we're going to get some heat for this, uh, but that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my villain hat back on, but... <laughs> What are you going to do? This is what we need to get downloads. This is what we'll do. This is what, this is clickbait right here. No, <laughs> Gabe's a good guy, but no, it was really funny to hear those stories of, uh, of those guys, uh, playing it up a little bit, but, uh, no, Gabe's a good guy and all those Aussie guys. Oh, I couldn't think of, uh, of better times I had on tour than with those guys. It was great. Well, let's, let's keep the road stories going because you had one from, uh, Ljubljana that had me almost crying laughing when you got recognized as a Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> They didn't exactly fangirl you because I think they had a misunderstanding of what really Canada is about. But they did have a, a volleyball fan that we they actually did. know. They did. So not only did they did they misrepresent Canada, but I don't know what sort of geography school <laughs> they're they're in down there. But uh, we're out with the Slovenian guys, uh, Sergey and Gashbar, and a uh, friend of the show, Jory Mantha, played. Uh, it still plays actually in the first league in Slovenia there, which is a really good league. He actually plays for the Ljubljana team. And uh, for those of you that don't know, I have a maple leaf tattoo on my calf because it's super original and nobody has those. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we were out getting lunch and someone comes up to me and he goes, oh, Canada. I love Canada. Texas, California. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like shocked because I I don't want to start laughing because he's like, like a 14, 50-year-old kid, and we start talking, and the thing I'll never forget is, oh, Canada, I love Jory Mantha. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it, it shows that Jory's made it. Like yeah, he has hey. a fan who can be like, my favorite player is Canadian, Jory Mantha, and he can name it to other people. You know what? When you think of Canada, what do you think of? I think of Jory Mantha. <laughs> <laughs> he may have used up all his English in that one oh, conversation yeah. with you. <laughs> That's it. Oh, Canada? Texas, California, German Mantha. It's all, it's all tucked away. It's all here. relative, it's, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That killed me, too. I'm sure you messaged Jory as soon as you were done with that conversation. Oh, like, super so you're, fans. So you're kind of a big deal over oh, here. Oh, I had no idea. They had Jory Mantha billboards everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> ah, good stuff. So we, we've covered your Australia trip. We've covered Worlds. What, what else can we talk about here, Dal? What are you doing now? What uh, What's your role in volleyball? And uh, what do you want to get out of this? And what do you think you want to get out of your year as a, as a coach? So where where do I start? So I, I guess my introduction would have been working with PVB and Solstice Sport is how I got connected to like the beach scene. And then you realize how, how tight and awesome everybody is. So one of my first co-workers was... Uh, Not necessarily awesome, but at least tight. <laughs> it's good, but... Uh, I'm working for Mark Riley and Mike Sleen as soon as I and I get in the scene, and then who am I working with? But Chris Simic and Christian Redman, who will 
just make you laugh just by having lunch with them. Those guys are absolutely ridiculous. Talk about stories on tour. Those guys got a ton of stories. We, we got to connect with these guys. And then you add in like Josh Chisholm and just like the nicest people ever. But man, do they have some road stories where... And man, are they funny. So you get over the starstruck thing. We're like, oh man, I'm, I'm working and hanging out with these professional volleyball guys. Where it's just like, they're the biggest bunch of goons you've ever met in your life. And you're like, is this what professional sports is all oh. about? But anyways, fast track that to to a sweet job with Ontario Volleyball where I was with the beach tour and, and coordinating the officials and coaches for a bit, um, manager of beach programs, but uh, moved on to the national team where I'm lucky to hang out with guys like you and, and other athletes as a performance analyst. But at the end of the day, my, my college education and my university education is in communication arts, so I, I have to apply that somehow, Dallas. So This is it. So you and I talk about volleyball all the time, so I might as well, you know... Start Put getting, it on the internet. Might as well start getting paid for it. Yeah, One penny at a time. Sweet, sweet internet money. So this is just kind of applying my skill base with stuff that we talk about anyway. So Yeah, we have a fun time doing it too. But uh, I think the, the record needs to be straight that we're not just two jabronis, another wrestling reference, uh, talking about volleyball. But there is some, at least I think, merit behind what we're talking about. And we do have a pretty uh, astute knowledge of, of what's going on both within the game, outside of the game, and uh, what's coming up in the game. And I think the, the direction sports are going with, uh, I mean, cheap plug for other networks we follow, but if, if I look at the content I really like on Bleacher Report or some of the podcasts that like another wrestling reference like Edge and Christian or a hockey one with Spitty Chick, that's like, it, I think the days of the highlights and the cheap interview about like, oh, you know, everybody's working hard out there, you know, everybody's firing, blah, 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 that, that people, athletes are real people and they're, they're yucking it up just like you and I, where we can showcase that. So I think end result for this show would be that we, we want to, or not end result, I think the, the objective would be we want to grow volleyball and showcase the awesome people in it, but you and I want to have a good time. We yeah. Want to show the personality. I think, I think beach volleyball gets roped in where sometimes we're trying to be a serious sport where I think... What makes it unique and awesome and the people involved is that we don't take ourselves too seriously all the time. And I think it's good to showcase that side. I think it's good with anything, right? If we, uh, if we just bring some exposure to, to not necessarily beach volleyball or indoor volleyball, but volleyball in general. And uh, I think there's a lot of preconceptions that people have just about volleyball in general that we're looking to break barriers here. And uh, I mean, it's always wicked to hear other athletes talk about their experiences with sports and... Uh, Shameless plug for other athletes to come on here and talk about uh, what they think volleyball is, or if they have volleyball stories. Um, much like the beach world, like we're just super inclusive. Like we want to have a good time and we want to progress the sport forward, and uh, you know, expand the network because great things happen when great people do great things. Man. I'd like to say that you were like reading off something, but that was just straight from the heart. That was you see that on camera too. Ooh. See, we're made for this broadcasting stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, if we can help people, you know, escape their day, put this on in the background when you're at work or on your commute or whatever, but if, if you love volleyball, I think this is the show for you, and we're going to keep pushing the limits. We, we've got, like you said, some international connections. Obviously, Canadians are going to be front and center with what we do here, but we're, we're going to do a little bit more than just say, oh, this person got this result, and they're awesome this way. It's going to be... Let's tell some stories. Let's figure out how they got here. Let's talk about the journey and yeah, where they want to go. And I think it's important to shed light on uh, on some of that too, right? Because a lot of people only see the success or the failure of some people, and they don't see the journey that uh, that they had to take. I mean, I have so many stories of other athletes and colleagues and teammates that literally put everything on the line to 
to get the result and whatever that result may be, whether it's a medal or a qualification loss or a main draw loss or, or whatever. And I think it's good to, to get different perspectives of coaches and fans and super fans and, you know, former athletes, former players, even former spectators, former referees. Like it's, it's the, the world or our podcast is hopefully an oyster that we're trying to crack of, of just good content that we can share and everybody loves a good story and a good storyteller. So why not share that with everyone? Awesome. Awesome. Well said. So, uh, where do we go from here? I guess that we, we've done this great intro. Now what? Well, I mean, I think it's good to, uh, to have something down the scope. So we actually do have a few interviews set up right now with some F- current FIVB athletes that are, uh, that are training for Tokyo 2020. We're not going to sort of say who they are. Spoiler alert. We're not, uh, no, no spoiler alert. We want to keep you on your toes. Um, but no, we have some good content coming up. So, you know, let's, let's try and get the word out there. And, uh, if you guys have questions for us and, uh, and want us to talk about a topic or, or really want to shed some light on something that, uh, hopefully this is the platform that, uh, we can bring, your um your ideas to light and uh even your problems to light because you know what we might air some unpopular opinions on here but that's just uh that's the way she goes well, i think now that you're a retired athlete i think you safety's off you can Sa- just just go for it safety's off safety's always off <laughs> so i think yeah there, there's we like to yuck it up i think there's episodes you and i are going to get into it too because there's stuff that you and i don't agree on so i hope gonna, so we're going to cover it we're going to get after it i hope so that's it for me. That's it for me. I'll see you guys next time on Passing Times. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, stay tuned. Lots of content coming out. And uh, stay excellent. Stay excellent.